Welcome to the Tune In and Level Up podcast. I am Glenda Hovenkamp, your host, and so happy you tuned in for a few minutes of leveling up together. I love having deep conversations on meaningful topics, some spiritual, some practical. Come as you are, tune in while walking, cooking dinner, driving, or just putting your feet up at the end of the day. Here's to both of us getting some takeaways that help in our leveling up journey. Today, my guest is Kim Moore. She has created a podcast called Smiling Again, and she founded a nonprofit called Blossom. She truly is all smiles, and yet beneath that is a very tender heart and understanding and comprehension of how alcoholism can totally rattle a family. And she herself suffered extreme loss just a few years ago. Stay tuned to hear about her comeback and how she's offering what she's learned to others, making the world a better place. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hello, Glenda. I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me here with you today. Thank you for joining me. So I know a little bit about your story, but I want I want to accentuate everything wonderful about you and you have a very rich history and you're doing some great things and I'd like I'd like for everybody to know how you're doing today so I I, I'd like to ask you um if you're happy are you happy that's such a complicated question (laughs) but yes absolutely I think I'm the happiest I've been in years years and years and that source of happiness comes from inside and and how I feel about myself um from self-love from self-compassion and knowing that I am no longer on the emotional roller coaster that I was riding for so many years with my husband's alcoholism mm-hmm so as our listeners get to hear your story, they're going to realize what a miracle that is that you are, you are able to say that you're happy today. So before we, we kind of take a journey backwards, can you tell us what you're grateful for today? I'm grateful for my resilience, which has been instrumental in, in walking this path that I've been on this healing journey I've been on for so many years I'm grateful for my children who are a constant reminder of the love that surrounds me and the goodness in the world mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for my friends and family and all of the support that has always been there whether I knew it or not it's always been there through everything throughout all of these years and and today I love that Kim so let's take a a look backwards and it it hasn't always been this positive for you and so let's just visit that time a little bit so so our listeners understand and before we do they're going to catch on real fast that I hear their their host is from Austin Texas and have this Texas accent 
You have this lovely accent. So where are you, Kim? <laughs> I call it a mid-Atlantic twang. I'm a Canadian, but I'm living in the UK and I'm just outside of London and Colchester. And I've been here for 23 years now. So my accent is, yeah, it's, it's, it's uniquely my own. <laughs> I love how I can visit with anybody in the world via technology. So it's fun. Um, all right. So... Tell us about sort of the beginnings of, of your relationship that kind of was life-changing for you. Hmm. As a very young girl, when I was 27, I'm, I met my love, the great big love. And we met in Canada and I was swept off my feet to real whirlwind romance. We had spent a day together and he went home back to England I was in Canada and a few weeks later he sent me a plane ticket to come spend two weeks with him. So I did. And while I was with him, we got engaged. I went back home. A couple months later, I was living back in the UK with him. And we were enjoying an absolutely wonderful life, full of love, full of just excitement, fun, just everything you imagine you know love would be like and and for me it was extra special because it felt like this fairy tale of this wonderful man who swept me off my feet and we were living this wonderful life and and life stayed like that for some time but I started to notice little things in his behavior and when I say little things I noticed how much he drank and at first I thought, well, it's just English culture. Everybody has wine with their meals every day. Then I noticed actually, well, it's kind of a lot. And maybe everybody, it's not everybody that drinks that much every day. And then I started noticing little vodka bottles hidden. And when I found them, I would just put them out onto the counter, into the open. And that was how I dealt with the problem, which wasn't really the healthiest way to deal with it. And my husband's drinking um, escalated. It's a progressive illness and it grows over time. And it grew to the point where our life was in chaos and out of control. And that was quite a few years later and two children later. And I was left on the other side of the world, raising two children with a, a husband who drank, I mean, a wonderful, loving man, but he was ill. And there's so much denial wrapped around the illness that he was in denial about it. I was questioning in my own head whether there really was a problem because nobody else seemed to think that there was. And it wasn't until life really did spiral out of control and things like him going missing, not coming home from work, getting calls from a hospital in London that they had he had wandered into A&E, but then he was gone. And then one day just falling at home and couldn't get him up. That was when it became real for everybody, that there really was a problem, that this wonderful man who, who was always in control of life and always had a smile on his face suddenly could not function. He mm. could not function. And our life was in chaos. And it was some periods of time in and out of rehab at that point 
and me with two children at home. My son was five. My daughter was, uh, oh gosh, well, when it started, my, my daughter was a newborn baby. But when it spiraled out of control, she was three. My son was eight. So there was just so much happening in such a short period of time that it's all a little bit blurry in my head. As his illness progressed, so did the chaos in my head. And I, I responded by trying to help him or trying to hide the problem, um, which obviously isn't the healthy thing to do. So we were, we were living in, in chaos, um, in and out of rehab. And I remember the first time he came home from rehab and I made him a cup of tea. And it was the first time I had ever sat and drank a cup of tea with my husband in all of our years of marriage. And we had been married at that point for nine years. So it was the first time that we had had a cup of tea together and it felt wonderful. But I could always feel it coming, the chaos. And then there was another episode and then there was another stint in rehab and again and again and again and again. And that carried on for quite some time until it got to the point where one day the crisis team was in my house. My mother-in-law was with me and I looked around and just decided my kids can't keep seeing this anymore. And I can't keep living with this anymore. And so I sat down with her and I said to her, I know you have to do what's best for your son and his recovery. I have to do what's best for my children so they can lead a normal, healthy life. And the two weren't the same. And that was when I decided to leave. So I left the family home. And that was the beginning of our separation and eventually divorce, um, and then lived apart for years. Um, and I cut him off. And that was my way of coping with the pain, trying to cut the pain out of my life. And then one day I received a phone call from him. And I always, you know, for a time I blocked his calls. Um, things were, were not good. Um, but that particular day I took his call and we had a conversation. And bearing in mind this was years the years from the beginning of the initial um, life going into chaos and we talked and it was a conversation full of love full of understanding and I was able to for the very first time express why I had been silent for so long and why I had to block him out and we agreed to keep the keep the new tone and to continue talking a week later, I got a phone call, this time from his sister. He had died. So that sent my life into a spiral. All those emotions, all of that pain that was inside of me still, suddenly was trapped. I mean, it had always been trapped, but there was no exit for it. And I had to start dealing with it. And it took me a very long time um, to start acknowledging the emotions and to really start acknowledging the grief which had started, the complicated grief which had started so many years sooner. Um, and somewhere along the way, I hopped on to a healing journey, which has led me to where I am today. 
Wow. Um, You tell your story in a beautiful way, and I'm sure it is uh, tidier and prettier with your words today than at times it actually was. I'm sure there were lots of things that were really, really hard in the details. Um, And so you, in your healing journey, you were learning yourself. And now you're not only in a position to feel better, but you're helping other people to feel better. So would you like to talk about what you've done with all that information? And at any point you want to share what actually works to make you feel better, feel free to throw that in there too. But tell us about how you're, you're being of service today. As I was on my healing journey, I don't think I ever felt so alone. And somewhere along the way, very, you know, far into my healing journey, I felt like I had found my purpose. And I reached a point in my healing where I felt grateful for the experience that I had been through. Not grateful for the pain and for losing my husband and all of the trauma that happened, but I felt grateful for who I became along the way. And who I became, it was somebody who made the decision that I don't, you know, what I felt, no one should feel that. Mm -hmm. There's not enough support out there for families, for anyone who is affected by by a loved one's alcohol dependency or addiction there's just not enough support for families there's not enough support for for those who are alcohol dependent or or addicts um but the family members we tend to get forgotten we we tend to be unseen and the ones left holding on to everything trying to hold everything together and i didn't want anyone to feel that way like i had and especially because i was across the world from the rest of my family um no one should feel that way. So I uh, created a community interest company called Blossom, and it's there to serve the community, the community being anyone affected by a loved one's alcohol dependency or addiction. And I have created a healing journey based out of the the experiences that I have had, backed by research. Um, and now I share that with and invite anyone to join me because no one has to we all have to go on a healing journey but you don't have to walk it alone Mm -hmm. so we're all on this healing journey and we travel at our own pace in our own way in our own time but you don't have to do it alone there's always someone who can be there with you. They, they might be a few paces ahead of you. There might be a few paces behind you. And I'm still on this journey and I will continue to, to develop because at the, at the center of the journey, so it's a six-step process. Um, you know, the first step is making that decision to change the way that you feel. You know, choosing to do different and to live differently. The second step is reaching out for support because you don't have to do it alone. The third step is um, becoming self-aware. So becoming aware of your habitual thoughts, your habitual emotions, because my goodness, we get stuck in patterns and our habitual behaviors. 
And then the next step is um, changing. Uh, it, sorry, the next step is exploring new things, uh, which could be activities and ways of ways of living, which help you discover you. And in many cases, in my cases, just rediscovering me, the person that I had lost through all of that chaos and trauma that we had been through. And then at the center of all of that, first is um, acceptance, you know, taking uh, responsibility for your free healing. And at the center of, of all of that is learning self-compassion and self-love. And it's, I describe it as a flower. So it's in the shape of a flower. It's not a straight line journey. It's a flower. Because um, if you think of it as a flower bud, we, we, we get all crunched up really, really tight protecting ourselves from everything that has happened and we get really tight on edge you know tensed for the next episode or drama or trauma so it's about opening up like a flower like that tight bud and opening up and that's that's the healing is opening up to joy once again because you can be happy again and you know you asked me at the beginning am, am I happy there was a time in my life where I thought I would never ever be happy again and that I would never ever smile again. So everyone needs to know that you can, you can smile again, you can feel joy again, you can live a wonderful life again, guilt-free. I love that. I know, uh, I didn't ask you this, but I know you never stopped loving your ex-husband. And he never stopped loving you. And lo love was not enough to cure what was wrong with him. If love had been enough, he would have quit drinking and and you would have lived happily ever after and carried on with that great love affair you were having. Um, I know part of your process was acknowledging this was an illness you were dealing with. And so here you are. And um, what a lot of work taking step by step by step to wind up where you are today able to actually extend a, a hand of help to others so I know that there there are many layers to this blossom idea that you've uh, developed and so you you've developed a community but what else are you thinking about as far as where blossom might go mm -hmm. well the, the community the community will always be at the heart so that people can come together and know that they're not alone. So it's all it's all about, you know, the long-term aim is breaking the cycle of addiction in, in families. There is a generational cycle. And the only way we're going to break it, break it is through education and understanding. So by bringing people together to know that they're not alone, we can work at breaking the stigma and the shame because it is an illness. Mm -hmm. The behind the community, uh, so there is an online platform and I'm developing that platform. I'm a curator of resources. So part of the challenge when you're facing these struggles is you don't know where to go for help. So this will be the place that anyone can go to and they can find help and resources. So I'm curating resources from professionals because there really is a lot of good information out there. There is good help. It's just hard to find. Mm -hmm. And when you're in chaos, it's really hard to think straight and to find things. So I'm making it easy for people to find things. So it will be 
the one place that you can go to where you can find everything. Um, there will be there are online activities where people can come together online. So there's members around the world. At the moment, there's people in Canada, USA, and across the UK. And we do different activities together. So in, in, the, in the membership, there are activities, um, things that we learn, and then things that we put into practice. Mm-hmm. So for example, coming up this uh, tomorrow actually is an art session where an artist will lead connect an activity where you connect with your heart. And the whole concept is busy hands makes it easier to chat. <laughs> so as we're as we're doing some art together we can chat through things um there's also in-person events these are local to me now um and the the vision is to have more blossom house locations around the world where people can have in-person events so the events that we have running locally are uh swimming in the sea at sunrise followed by breakfast um daytime swims in the sea followed by tea and cake (laughs) Uh, (laughs) mindful walks where you can learn mindfulness so every single activity has a mindfulness activity um, element a practice included in it because mindfulness is something that's incredibly powerful for clearing the chaos untangling all those emotions that are in your head so each activity has has a mindfulness element to it and then simple simple things like meeting for coffee um it's just so you know that you're not alone and you might form friendships and feel safe to talk about what's really going on and that really is so helpful uh as part of your recovery so you're not keeping everything inside excellent so you have this community you have activities and where else are you thinking about taking blossom um the first blossom house that we build so it will be a physical location so i'm raising funding for this um will be in the uk and the vision is imagine a house with a view of water and flower gardens all the way around so people can come to visit the flower gardens buy flowers and then the base for activities where there will be life writing art therapy um meditation yoga running woodworking just any sort of activity to help people get out of their minds and keep their hands busy to start working through some of those emotions um the next location will be in canada my home country and from there it will grow wherever it wherever it goes it could be somebody I've had interest in the in the states from somebody who's going to be setting up a recovery center who wants to offer blossom programs there. So it, it will go wherever wherever it goes. Beautiful. All right. So and if somebody wanted to generously donate, they could reach you through the website that I'm going to list in the show notes, right? I'm building that page as we speak. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> There will be, there will be a page. Yes. And as it's a community interest company, all the money stays in the community for building programs and resources uh, to help people. Lovely. So I know that I have heard you say before something about a village. So not only the community, the Blossom House, but what else are you thinking? Absolutely. That's a longer term vision. The next stage would be Blossom Village. So after we have Blossom House, the idea is to 
build smaller little houses which would have accommodation for perhaps you know 12 month accommodation for families or individuals who are in in situ unhealthy situations to give them a place to go because part of the challenge with the cycle of of addiction and and alcohol dependency is people stay stuck in the homes and the unhealthy environments because they have no means to get out so this will provide the means for people to get out to to go on the healing journey to to learn the new ways of thinking feeling and behaving to break that cycle of unhealthy behaviors in the family um and they can contribute to the community until they're ready to to go back um on their own into their own home so is your dream that there be sponsors that will support these families while they're yes living in yeah. those accommodations that's right so the ambition is sponsorship to to build the units um which might be corporations um and they could have well-being retreats as, as well as as part of being part of the community and uh sponsorship yes to to help uh fund housing someone for a 12-month period you know kim I bet there's not a family on the planet that doesn't have, it hasn't been touched by addiction or alcoholism in some way. And you're absolutely right. We oftentimes focus on the addict or the alcoholic and we forget about the families who are having to deal with the aftermath. Um, and so this is such a beautiful thing that you're doing for those families and for these individuals who've suffered and, and need our love and attention. Um, I know you're one of them. <laughs> and so I'm so, so thrilled to share this with our listeners. Is there anything you'd like to say in parting as we say goodbye? I would just like to say that if there's anyone listening to this who has feels that feeling in their belly or maybe in their throat or they're holding on to something, maybe it's something that they've never told anyone about, it's okay to talk. Uh, to reach out, reach out, send send me a message. Um, the Blossom community is there. It's uh, a safe space to turn to. And once you start feeling support and help, your life can completely change if you want it to. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank I you, Glenda. I wish you, I wish you and Blossom all the best. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm super grateful for the opportunity to share the story with you. I'm grateful too. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Tune In and Level Up. Please come back. Until next time, let's make every day and every opportunity count. <laughs>